What's up, everybody? This is LibUX, a podcast about design and user experience for libraries and the higher ed web. I'm Michael. I'm Amanda. Today we are going to talk about the user experience of ebooks, which um, uh, kind of sucks. So, so Amanda, so this goes back to a conversation we had um, a while ago in which we were talking about something completely different, but the way things go, we ended up talking about OverDrive. And we were talking about, I think, its lack of personalization and that, you know, in one case, you have a logged history of what kind of books that you read and you just wish that, hey, man, once you just logged in to either the catalog or to OverDrive or whatever the case is, that it just presented books that it knows that you're looking for. So I kind of wanted to pick up there and briefly get your idea, just get your gut feeling about the user experience of reading ebooks from downloading them to the actual reading of them. I will preface this by saying at my library, we have two different vendor contracts for ebooks and then log my husband's <laughs> library card number in from his library in as well to OverDrive. So I have all the ebook access I can possibly get. And I definitely have a preference for one, which is much easier, which is I just open the app, I select the book, hit download, and ta-da, it's there, versus having to open the app, sign in pretty much every time, though I tell it to remember me. Load time is incredibly cripplingly slow, and then you have to say, borrow this ebook, and it takes you to the bookshelf page, where then you have to choose, like, let me download this, and choose this format, then confirm the format, and then it downloads, unless I chose it in Kindle, because now I have to go over to Amazon and log in and choose, yes, I want this library book and I want it on this Kindle device or app. And now it'll finally be delivered to me. Those are, that's the frustrating experience that I can say off the top of my head. So what do you feel about the actual, so okay, so you've gone through all the process and you've downloaded the ebook. How do you feel about actually reading it on a screen? Are you using an, are you using a Kindle or other device with e-ink or just um, an app on your phone? I used to use my Nook Color, but now I've switched over to the apps on my Android. So, so what do you think about actually reading it? Like long-term backlight compared to, let's say there was no difference between, I don't know, the the hurdle and actually getting the book. So you have a nice new untouched paperback on your left and you have the ebook on your right. How like do you do you like reading the ebook? What what about it is good? And I have a point. I'm just I just kinda wanna mind your thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well I like physical books, except for the fact that my cats knock them out of my hand constantly. So I switch to my phone because it's easier for me to like navigate my wrist out of the way. But I will say this. So reading on my phone bothers me not at all. Kindles give me a massive headache. I can't stand really? them. Really? Like, that seems to be the opposite of what most people complain about because Kindle has the benefit of having no backlight. But it flashes oh, every page turn. Like, oh. it turns black. And I'm like, ah. Oh, interesting. So it's almost like seizure-inducing or something. It yeah. Makes, it makes me think of, like, when, like, in old TV shows or old news shows where they would happen to catch someone's turned-on, like, old tube TV in the background and you saw, like, flickering and kind of, like, scanning. Oh, yeah. So the reason I asked is because recently the internet, and this was maybe a, this was probably three weeks ago or so, 
but there the internet kind of bubbled up with news for a whole day or two about this uh this this ebookalypse right it's kind of a misreading of data at the time that suggested that the sales of ebooks were declining which is a great contrast to what what people would have you believe about you know the millennials and stuff like that so this was a misreading of data and what it is is a sales of ebooks which ignores those without isbn's so the reality is that something like um self-published authors on in the kindle store are doing pretty well the main thing is that one thing was true about this uh ebookalypse nonsense was that regardless of how you read or fail to read the data the number of ebooks readers or ebooks read is nevertheless not pulling meaningfully away from the number of print books read so the print publishing industry is doing really pretty well this guy i like from the stratechery website ben thompson suggests and i agree i ran with it in an article on libux that really this might have to do with the fact that the user experience of reading a print book probably is is still probably a little better than reading the ebook. What do you think? So when you're reading a physical book, something about the glossy pages and like running your fingertips over the image, that is so great and I absolutely love that. And you know, like spreading out like really massive books across the table or in my lap to look at. But I'm a leisure reader, so the stuff I read day to day, I just want to read it on my phone. So I'm probably not a great person. Yeah, so so you know, ebooks have convenience there, right? Um but I think the I think comparatively it may not have much of an upshot. Now for me, I'm one who very much prefers the ebook i don't really i've somehow managed to divorce myself from this aesthetic of the print book print annoys me because i have to hold it open (laughs) with two hands or there's there's just other things about it you know it's something physical that i have to carry around i've gotten rid of my wallet i just walk around with my phone that's the only thing in my pocket and and a key or two but i'm definitely in the minority but one of the things is that convenience is a pretty compelling attribute when improving you know the user experience it's it's convenient to have not just a book but whatever book you could possibly want in your pocket or in your backpack sometimes when we talk about you know what user experience is as you know of the sum whole value of a whole bunch of different things and let's say you you invest what you can what resources human or financial into you know maybe one facet and you kind of neglect another facet that still may be rising all ships with the tide but in this case you know it works inversely too so like if you if one facet is just has an incredibly poor user experience it will act as an anchor on all the positive attributes otherwise so in terms of like ebooks convenience is great but they are still the same cost as a print book. They and for libraries especially, you know, when we have to do all these contracts, they're significantly more per copy. Yeah. And they're hard to get. They are DRM locked. You don't own them because of the DDMCA and since ebook is counts as software you don't own software, you license the privilege to use it. That basically convenience is the only upshot of an otherwise really shitty user experience around this whole ecosystem. You know, there's also the tired intrude thing that 
people talk about nobody knows you're reading an embarrassing book, which I have a little side story. We had a book festival for RA and I was representing romance novels. Two hours, nobody talked to me except to say, ugh, those are trash. <laughs> but we do know ebook wise, people are reading them. It's just not me. Well, now, of course, yeah. Like we know ebook, we, we know that not only are people reading them a ton, maybe the majority of people are reading them. And... Well, I mean, it's been the biggest genre for, you know, decades probably. Well, especially the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is that now that Kindle or Amazon Kindle has introduced the, I don't know, I, I'm i going to get it wrong, but I think they pay their authors not based on the whole of the book, but how much of the book has been read. That yeah. in one light, okay, they know how much, they know, us, they know what percentage of ebooks people read in another way i'm sure that they can see which parts of the ebook people read (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of like a a clerk at an old video store it's interesting to think about yeah it's interesting to think about ebooks being invasive right so that every time you like turn the page it sends a piece of data back to the server wherever it's hosted well that's a big topic that i've seen come across to various listservs do you think patrons care about that whatsoever or are they even aware i think people i think the data shows that people are definitely willing to trade some personal information for perceived value so the very top line of this is that someone will give you an email so that they can get a weekly newsletter or something like that. Um, yeah. But if there's no perceived value, then I think people are actually quite... I don't think there's a middle ground. They are willing to share, but if they're, if that value isn't perceived and you're collecting the data anyway, I think people are repulsed by this, right? And so I think this would be mapped in line with you know the popularity of bro- like browse history or historyless apps like Snapchat etc the increasing popularity of Tor browser and some of that has to do with its increased availability but i think that okay someone might be able someone might be okay with communicating the percentage of the book that they're reading but if it were communicating you know which portions of the book you read i feel like that might be a step too far because i can't I, I don't know what the perceived value of that would be other than say amazon says like hey we're gonna send you a dozen books but they're all going to be abridged but programmatically abridged to be yeah. just the parts that you like <laughs> which is interesting and i don't think anyone's done that before but i bet we're gonna see it soon oh that is a good point yeah i think that people probably don't care as long as they feel confident that if they're only reading the spicy parts that that's not going to be advertised to all their friends and family well yeah and consider some of the um the implications of that it's not just like a, a red-faced blush you know this kind of data could be outing folks yes not just in you know we, we have our civil rights issues here in america but like worldwide there are folks who this kind of outing would mean their lives right and you know even if it's still within like like larger gender norms they might be reading about something that's a like risque and you know we keep talking about romance novels but what if they're just reading a political book or something like that yeah i had when i was a webmaster for my library school the person before me actually was a lady that was over in china during the summertime and she couldn't receive my emails over the summer you know that caused like issues with our workflow but you know there's definitely some issues with like what she had access to so this idea of the poor users the poor comparative user experience of ebooks potentially being the reason for not certainly not as downfall but the fact that it just hasn't meaningfully pulled away it's neither the leader nor very much eclipsing 
print readership. This is all, this kind of boils down to potentially like a, a larger trend, which is, there's this idea called aggregation theory. Okay, so what aggregation theory suggests is that there are, let's say, three major aspects to the success of a business to determine just how much of a success it is or success it is monopolies in the past would control let's say two of the three aspects unless let's say those aspects are the production the creation of the content the production of the goods the second aspect is its distribution and the third aspect is the consumer before a certain time let's say let's just draw the line before like the 21st century or before the internet monopolies so the ver- the most successful potentially most legally successful um businesses controlled both the production and the distribution we see this with newspapers right so they produce all the content they create all of the content and for the longest part of their history newspapers were hyper local they were local to the communities that they were in so they they controlled the the entire distribution chain the warehouses the printing presses and and the delivery so what the internet is doing and making essentially the second aspect this uh this distribution part of business or part of success free or too cheap to you know too cheap to really compete over so like let's say with newspapers now you, you produce the content but the distribution is free and the distribution is everywhere so the only way to compete against another newspaper or another industry or to otherwise become a great success is to make sure that you have much better features for this third aspect the consumer or you know the user so the most successful companies you know facebook or uber or whatever control both the production and pretty much have a better user experience than all the other competitors since distribution doesn't mean anything we're now in a time where improved user experience is a business case it's it's a it's added value that the difference between the success of uber and the success of lyft is that uber is easier to use and that's it and they pretty much do the exact same thing right but it's just the perceived user experience is better did you read that article that tim o'reilly wrote on medium the other day his response back to this lady who's talking about why uber is a terrible company and his response back was um let's talk about why taxi cabs are terrible yeah right so taxi cabs are a good example of what's come before right they were both a production they you know they produce they provided the cars and the service and the distribution uh, like it's fairly hyper local but in this case with uber the distribution is free because anyone's vehicle is part of it right so you don't have to get a special taxi cab you don't have to do anything you have to provide the service and provide a better user experience the i guess like the the hardware part of it or the distribution or supply part of it doesn't really matter so this idea with like aggregation theory is that what what ebooks are failing to do is you know distribution is free so the ebooks can be everywhere but like the user experience it has to compete with say print media pretty much at the user experience level it actually already won it, it already improves on like let's say the production side because you can create an ebook and you can copy it a million times without cost without overhead programmatically without effort you can it's so much easier to create content digitally than in print in fact you know print media is digital content that has been printed you know but it seems that ebooks should be kicking butt here 
I have something to bring up here. So I have a bunch of different ebook reader apps that I've used, and I'm pulling it up on my phone. And the one I ended up choosing to pay for is called Mantano Reader, which is M-A-N-T-A-N-O. Probably butchered the pronunciation. And the reason I got this is because it comes with tons of great features. You know, there's stuff like reading aloud, taking these notes and stuff. And then I look at the library e-reader or apps, and I'm like, well, I'm just driving down the road. I just wanted to read it to me. Oh, wait, I can't. What you just said is a feature that only ebooks can provide. You can't have a print book in the passenger seat of your car and have it read it to you. So there are reasons that, let's say, the um, the Kindle self-publishing sales are doing really well. And that's because like the user experience of a Kindle book, straight through a Kindle book. I'm not saying like through the intermediary library vendor. It's pretty good because you can not only have the ebook, but it will sync up with its with the same chapter or the same words that you're on in the audio book if you also have that so you can you can change between listening to the audiobook and reading it for yourself and the audiobook will update itself to the position as you turn the pages there are other th- like you said like you can have it read aloud there's other advantages that ebooks not only can like improve on print i mean they, they, they can just innovate and but there are things that print does that ebooks should allow you to do they just don't i mean some readers will allow, will allow it but like you can't make notes in the margin, you know. They, these seems like very like sim- like simple things, but you know, the OverDrive e-reader, if it has this functionality, is incredibly limited. You know, just little things like this. Oh, okay. So you mean at this point, talking about ebooks through library vendors, not not specifically. I'm talking about I'm talking about ebooks in general. The major drawback to the Kindle books is essentially that you don't own them. I guess some of them are increasingly like DRM free, but but they're the reason that Kindle is winning against other ebook shops and vendors is that just look back at what I said about aggregation theory. It not only controls the production, so it's not just trying to license content from any of the big six publishers. It has made an interface so that people can just publish straight through Kindle. Um, the distribution is free and the user experience is superior to like the Nook store or any of the competitors, libraries also being a competitor. One of the Biblio companies that starts with that word, they offer some kind of experience so that local authors can try publishing through their library and then those submitted best of the best will then be distributed on a national basis to other libraries to check out. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, I've I've heard about that, but I think I don't think that feature is even that compelling to local authors, right? Like local authors can immediately immediately reach a global um, audience through Amazon Kindle and get paid for it immediately without any kind of bottleneck, without any kind of curation. And I think we have to see libraries and poor library ebook experiences as you know being a tremendous bottleneck. Yeah, I would assume for the local author because I'm pretty sure that you cannot charge for it through the library in any way which makes sense for a library i guess but unless so just be the person who just wants to be like aha janet i told you the library has my book so they make no profit they make no nothing and then they reach like the third the potential thirty thousand folks in your library licensing sphere but the the maybe point zero five percent of people who will ever 
look at that book. Um, it's like, you know, the the benefit isn't even there. And I that's not something where libraries can compete on. Where libraries can compete to improve this UX is they can do something that Kindle can't. You know, the ebook is free, but the difficulty of getting to it, of seeing the contents, the fact that costs, you know, it's free to everybody, but it costs taxpayers more than if the library was just to buy multiple copies of the same print book. You know, these are all things that are going to make the data that came out showing that, you know, people damn well prefer their print to e-reading this is only going to hammer in the case but maybe you know maybe in a cynical world this is to the library's advantage as much as as long as the the overall user experience for ebooks sucks the business for library print media will remain steady well i know that ebook usage in my community which is affluent and international travelers they love 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 ebooks and it keeps going up and up but i do know of at least one library where not in this state they're just very much against ebooks and do not want to have them whatsoever well i think there's like some really good ethical and and moral hurdles that you know, libraries should at least knowingly cross, you know, um, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Houghton, the librarian in black, Houghton, she, you know, years ago, she brought up, she brought this up. In fact, I think her, when she, when she became the director of, I believe the San Rafael Public Library, sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but I think that's right. She, one of, one of the main things she did and blogged about and spoke about was that she, what, refused overdrive or she outed some of the, you know, she publicized some of the issues with the overdrive license. You know, this is not to pinpoint overdrive, but publishers make these, you know, make these books available to the third-party vendors on by you know based off the size of the community and the amount of money the community has and you know stuff like that and so to their credit the libraries who've decided to kind of like forsake ebooks at least until there's a really good alternative to some of these like kind of gross licenses then you know that's to their benefit and i don't think you know right now you know if like if we look at the data that's not really hurting them all that bad you know maybe some people are like oh gosh i wish i could have an ebook but really this is something you said months ago you can and you know the time you know the interaction cost of getting them through a library might be worth the dollar 50 or two bucks of just buying it on kindle you know yeah for the cheaper ones i feel like i'd be remiss not to along with this line there was a gentleman on facebook this week who was talking about all these libraries giving all these cool hip makerspace programs and stuff but they're in communities where everybody is very blue collar and what you'd really need to know is how do i pass mechanic certification and Dead. They'll offer nothing hands-on practical. So this whole ebook thing, if you're in a community where nobody probably owns smartphones or has e-readers or tablets, you're probably wasting your money because that's just not accessible to your community. Now, I want to jump in here and say that the community probably does have smartphones. In fact, the majority of Americans do. What they don't have is what you said otherwise, e-readers or tablets, because those are special phones. <laughs> the only the only internet access that they might have is through, you know, their crappy 3G, which, you know, behooves libraries to make web services available and fast on the lowest common denominator. But what that would, what, you know, libraries 
you know, ebooks might be a really great boon there, but what libraries have to have to do is make sure that their vendors don't require a PC connection or a wire connection to download the book and then transfer it, or that there's not like a huge, a whole bunch of rigmarole, especially that requires you to sign up online, or um, like think of all the hurdles that the libraries have. You have to access your library website. You better be mobile first and fast, like four second load. You need to log into your like databases. Again, the whole login screen has to be able to be done from your thumb then the vendor website itself also has to be mobile first and fast and it can't have the hang-up of requiring a tethered connection or requiring like something like um adobe what's it called adobe digital books uh, or you know basically this, this, yes this drm where that you know you have to download and or whatever so something like overdrive is you know is probably a really good option here because they have one click send to kindle except that that one click send to kindle page is not responsive because I do this a lot on my phone. And the other thing is that as one click send to Kindle, if these are communities that only have access to you know internet through a phone and this is their primary device what's the likelihood that they have like an amazon or a kindle account in general i argue maybe pretty high but i'm going on a tangent here but so m- much of the hurdles that like li- at least libraries providing ebooks are at least 50 percent our fault and maybe 90 percent our fault because we don't vet the vendors the vendor accessibility or or the actual usability of the vendor itself because whatever we do to kick ourselves in the face like this is is only making for-profit companies like Amazon Kindle like so much more attractive because it really is just, you know, snap your fingers. All right, so what can an individual library do then? I don't, I'm not even sure if... The, there's this whole issue of the cost of the license of the ebook in the first place, right? So I can't say that, you know, I can't say that it the return on investment of a $68 copy of... 1984 for, through your library ebook vendor that can only be circulated once is greater than just having I don't know how many copies will that buy six copies of 1984 the print book right I don't you know libraries have to do a lot of things but first they just have to make sure it's worth it you know like I'm not I'm not sure that the demand for ebooks and and like clearly it's not true like 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 nationwide the demand for ebooks is not meaningfully greater and in case some cases much less than the demand for print books. It costs libraries more. It costs library taxpayers more. Provide ebook services. I think maybe what this guy on Facebook who was talking about, you know, the kind of the fad of 3D printers is talking about is, yeah, it is kind of a fad if you just get a 3D printer because that's what libraries are doing and that's not a net, like needed for your community. I think that the other part of what the data shows is that the kind of books that are booming are those unvetted, unpublished authors that libraries kind of scoff at. And those are those are things that we don't provide, right? What we have the ability to provide, what we have, you know, and sometimes, you know, we can get the entire project to Gutenberg library and stuff, but let's be real, nobody cares about that, you know. Um, we, I don't know, it costs us a lot of money to provide the bestsellers and it costs, and we don't even provide this entire market of uh, unpublished material or, un, yeah, um, self-published material. I don't know if it's worth libraries having this as a surface. I guess it really depends on the cost. And in that case, I think libraries just have to be real. And if they're not willing to pay costs, then don't pay it. And if the library vendor website isn't mobile accessible, um, don't pay it. You know, force the vendors to lower their prices and make better websites and make better services and command better deals through the publishers. There's there's no easy fight because, you know, in this, in this long end of ebooks, like libraries are a victim. We're just kind of like playing into it. I'll round us off by mentioning what 
at least two library systems have done to try to fight this. NYPL has created their own app to try to control that side of the process. And then, of course, there's Douglas County out in Colorado, and what they did is they went out and made deals with publishers directly, and they got a lot of that really tiny independent press stuff. But I heard from a presentation, the lady was like, let's be honest, you cannot do this unless you just happen to have tons and tons of cash. Right, right. It's good to talk to you. Yep, I think that's it for LibUX. If you like this and you want this to keep going, I mean, it's gonna, but if you want to show your appreciation, we would appreciate any kind of stars reviews in itunes or i don't know whatever kind of rating stitcher has or whatever your podcatcher of choice go in and do something if you're just kind of listening to this on the web which um i know a lot of you do it'd be super cool if you subscribed through itunes or you know through our straight rss feed every wednesday we publish the web for libraries weekly there are other things on libux.co like pretty pretty darn fine articles about user experience design and development it's the kind Kind of articles that other LibUX professionals turn to to learn about LibUX. Please tell your friends. Um, say hi on Twitter. We will see you about this time next week. Bye. Bye.